A city of justice, a city of love, a city of peace for every one of us. We all need it, can't live without it. A Gotham City, oh yeah. Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net for this and many other great Batman-related podcasts with all of our friends, including the birthday boy himself. <laughs> this is uh, 26-year-old Donovan. Uh, and this is Tessa Gooley. How's, how's Ralph? How's Papa? I haven't seen him in a while since he abandoned me and I woke up without my memory and naked in the winter and I had to kill a couple Tibetan monks, so... Uh, what the heck? <laughs> We did not read Batman and Robin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I forgot about it. <laughs> uh. And this week's episode is called Under the Knife, where um, the ogre is still terrorizing Gotham, and Gordon is still on his trail and worried about, you know, Lee, you know, because he knows that the ogre will go after the loved ones of the cops that goes after him. But he figures out at the end of the episode, wait a second, the ogre hasn't watched Gotham since, like, last fall. He still thinks that Barbara's my boy, my uh, fiance, so he runs <laughs> after her. So the ogre is romancing, you know, Barbara Keen. Meanwhile, Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne have their first date, and it is adorable. But unfortunately, they spend much of it stealing keys and arguing about the ethics of killing people. And speaking of love being in the air, there is also some shipping between Don Maroney and his new girlfriend <laughs> and his new girlfriend Gertrude Cobblepot which irks the penguin to you know various degrees but while Bruce and Selena are talking about you know the ethics of murder on their date Don Maroney chooses his date to say hey, hey by the way your son's a cold-blooded killer no uh, which causes <laughs> penguin to which causes penguin you know to get very very angry and you know and kill flower delivery people more shipping is happening on the other side of Gotham with Miss Kringle and her abusive boyfriend, who was such a nice guy like two episodes ago. No, he Edward wasn't. Dick- I-, I thought a few. He- yes, he was. No, remember he was, when she he was introduced? She was smiling, but like the last time we saw him, he was a bit of a. Remember, he slapped her on the butt when she left. Like you know, that's a sign of a of a a pig. Right. You do that to me at the end of every podcast. That's where she owns you, body and soul. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, well, I thought he was nice aside well, from you're that. A fool. In fact, I, I am a fool. Well, <laughs> anyway, you know, you know, after murdering some watermelons, you know, uh, Edward Nigma, yeah, Edward Nigma decides that it's time, you know, for some, uh, you know, stalking of Miss Kringle, which, um, he had a line that I like, like, hey, Riddle Man, what are you doing creeping outside of here? And Edward Nigma murders the guy. You better know. to kill you, my dear. Yeah, to better to kill you, my dear. So, um, it, you know, we get a little more set up. The ogre's still on the loose, but that's basically this week's Gotham. What did the two of you think of it? I think Don's gone first the last few times. So, uh, Miss Tessa Gooley, um, I don't know if they have TVs in the middle of, you know, the desert where you wake up in the nude, but, uh, mm-hmm. were you able to catch this episode and what were your general thoughts on it? I was, I mean, it's a little, I mean, when you're over there and, and, uh, the Tibetan mountains, uh, it's difficult to get good reception, so it's a little snowy. 
But I, I did, you know, I, I got the gist of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, I actually feel like we've got some sort of good rhythm going on with this particular storyline. As I said in the previous episode, uh, I thought that the ogre and this mystery and, you know, Jim Gordon and his involvement what was probably the strongest part of the episode. And I think it continues here. I'm excited that we've got a longer story arc. Uh, it, it feels, you know, true to a comic, just that it's not a one shot. Cause I feel like it's, it's been a long time since, you know, we really have one shots that worked in comics. I feel like, you know, that was the height of the Bronze Age when you could come in and read one and it'd be a great issue. But, but I feel like now we've got to the point where, if you want a good story, you need to spread it out a little bit and, and really have some meat. And I think we're getting there. Uh, we didn't have fish, which uh, I think worked out. Um, at times, I thought that the uh, the cobble pot was a little superfluous. Like his scenes, I thought, oh, why is why is this here? But in the end, I, I sort of had an epiphany that it actually works really well with the ogre storyline and it almost runs parallel because here you have, you know, you have the ogre and his, I mean, all he wanted was love from this mother figure that he never got. And Penguin and his, you know, alongside that, you've got Penguin and his mother's relationship and the fact that no matter what, Penguin's mother will give him unconditional love. So you have these two stories that are running parallel, but I feel like that connection wasn't really made until the very end. But I, but after that, looking back, I could see like, oh, okay, I understand why we had the Cobblepot stuff. But, you know, Barbara Keene, I actually liked her in this episode. Um, now, I do declare. I know, full show. Now, one reason was I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to be so excited if she gets killed off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the other one, I was like, you know, she's serving a purpose right now. And I feel like it's very interesting that she's in this like danger zone. And it's almost taking this care. I mean, she's so low. How low really can you get? But it felt like instead of her just being on some sort of drug or alcohol bender, that she's playing this intriguing role and the fact that this guy almost killed her and then said you're not what I expected and now it seems like maybe there's some weird mutual admiration I think it's it's like a sick and twisted thing but I actually I like it for some odd reason so actually overall I guess I spilled out all my thoughts I apologize overall I liked this you episode. gotta you gotta take the broom and sweep those up okay like like cookie. I mean, I would never. Not a cookie, you know, fool. It was yeah, a chocolate muffin. Spill something on the floor. Give me a break. Clean. Okay, for me, um, it's 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 actually a little funny because last last episode, I was ha, Gotham. Man, this show sucks. Sucks hard. Man, do I hate it all the time. And um, I you know I I tune into this episode, and suddenly again, I kind of liked it. I actually I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I really did. There wasn't really anything that like, bo- there was a bit like nitpicks and some shocked responses that I, I had. But, um, overall, I found this a very enjoyable episode. And I think the main, the main, uh, central, uh, factor in why I enjoyed it is that I felt that there was, I'm not sure if it's because the, the season is very close to ending, but there was a very, there was hardly any sense that they were like sparing the characters or that they're like, you know, kind of holding back and their storytelling techniques because Bruce and Selena have some very good scenes together mm-hmm. that, that establishes the kinds of separate people they are and showing their differences while still having good chemistry and, you know, being entertained in their scenes. 
Um, I generally do like Gordon and Bullock, you know, even if their plots are kind of, you know, meandering, but I like the fact that, like, they were being proactive. And it's, it's, I like the fact that they were going over cases that aren't solved in one episode. So that's kind of cool. And just based on Milo Ventimiglia's acting alone, I, I did kind of enjoy his scenes. Um, I, I don't know if I enjoyed Barbara, but I wasn't mad at her <laughs> for doing things that she was written to be doing. Um, it was kind of cool. I mean, she, she, she looked good in these, uh, these dresses that she was dressing in. And I think that like, um, it's interesting to see her involved in the main, main plot again, as opposed to just being, basically being in filler scenes. Um, yeah, this is like the first time she's been like part of the main plot since Penguin's Umbrella. So we're talking like forever. Um, I, I actually really like the, the, the Penguin. So the last several episodes of the Penguin has just been him like, you know, just kind of vibrating around from, from door to door, like smiling and basically being intensely annoying. And I like the fact that like he was really pushed in a way that like we all know the penguin to be pushed like like uh, pain and prejudice or pride and prejudice was a mini series that I didn't really like, but it felt true to the character in how kind of like personal he takes his family. And I think that like this is a great way for Sam Maroney to attack him or get back at him by just not really you know trying to kill his mother, but kind of you know just say hey your son's a thug, and that was really smart and really intense, and I liked how where it was going. So. Yeah, I, I nearly have, nearly have a bad thing to say for this episode. I thought it was very entertaining. And I feel that, like, um, I don't know if this is going to, like, you know, this one episode would make me, like, you know, take back everything I said of the show as a whole. But if we get more episodes like this, then we'll be back on track. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I really like this episode a lot. Uh, I was at work when I watched this one. Um, the There's a kid who I, like, take home from school and we do, like, Minecraft and homework. And I had to work late. Uh, later than I usually did tonight. So I didn't get to go to the gym and watch it on the treadmill, but he always watches Gotham with me like later on in the week on the Kindle. So we just watched this one live and, you know, while, and put down the Minecraft, which was good because, you know, you can only play so much of that game, um, especially like PVP before it gets repetitive. And this was (laughs) one of the more intense episodes that we've had in a while, which is why I think it was, you know, really good. Like, you know, Penguin was put to his breaking point. Um, like, in fact, like a breaking point that like we almost haven't seen since the pilot because, um, you know, in the pilot, there's that scene where he's just like so angry and he takes it out on the fisherman and just murders the fisherman. And then like the flower delivery boy, he's almost like the fisherman and the sandwich um from the pilot. He's just like so angry. He has to and he's like, oh, crud, I told that guy too much. Um, You know, he's at his breaking points. Um, You know, Edward Nigma is at his breaking point, too. There's just everyone, you know, getting angry and, you know, it's getting like geared up for the finale. Um, and there's just like so many nuances to discuss. Like we talked about last week, the whole thing with Penguin buying the bar. Like, what do we have to say about the scene? But even like the Gordon plot line alone, there's like, you know, things to discuss like Barbara, where her head's at, her relationship with the ogre, Lee and Gordon this episode. And like comparing what Lee did in this episode to what Barbara did in Penguin's Umbrella like in contrasting how those two relationships work and this there's, I mean, and Bruce and Selena stuff, the scene with Bruce and Alfred, like I cannot believe I, I didn't hate the balloon man episode, but like, <laughs> it's hard to believe that it was this a was bit silly. By, yeah. It, well, I mean, what were the subplots in balloon man who could even remember at this that, point? That was like almost a year ago. <laughs> I really like this episode and I think it's the best episode that we've had since months. Um, I think it's a cliche to say that it's the best episode since Penguin's Umbrella, but like, I think I might feel that way if I like go back and examine the last dozen episodes. So, uh, I mean, I guess even with like the Gordon plotline, there's so many things within there, but, um, 
You know, one thing I want to discuss is uh, Gordon and Lee and uh, like, the, you know, this episode when he's like, OK, you know, you need to get out of town, you know, which is the same thing he told Barbara and Penguin's Umbrella. And Lee didn't like, you know, go on a train crying, saying, no, 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 come with me. And then like, you know, like Barbara, like come back to town, show up at the ogre's doorstep, like, you know, begging for Gordon's life and then getting captured and making muffins. Well, she didn't make muffins. Liza made the muffins. Like, you know, Lee was a very, very, you know, strong person and, like, stood by Gordon's side and encouraged him to do the right thing. Uh, what do we think of – oh, and and they had the I love you moment mm-hmm. um, on, on the on the potty. Lots of potty moments this week still. How like, how like every other man. They she was, like in, she was like in two scenes though. I mean, I mean, I mean forgive me. I, I, I might be getting it twisted, but, like, she was – you know, smiling when he was in the bathroom, and then she was dressed like Veruca Salt <laughs> from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, randomly in, in, when he was on television. And I don't remember much else. Um, I, I, I guess I don't have much much to say because I really don't. I didn't take away much from it, so uh, my thoughts are worthless. Really? Okay. Well, Stella, you know the the per the perpetrator of the whole, you know, Lee is Barbara Gordon's mother theory. What did you think about Lee this episode? I think it was, it was a big episode mainly because of the L word, uh, coming out, not to be confused with lesbian. (laughs) The actual show. Uh, yes. (laughs) Um, Yes, who killed whatchamacallit, whatchamacallit. Yeah, well, when that happened, I did wonder how long, I guess, they've been dating, how much time has passed. That's something that I don't necessarily know and wish I knew just the timeline. It's something that I think The Flash does well as a TV show because they always keep the current time in context with this big, like, zero moment, which was, of course, the... uh the explosion at Star Lab, so like you can tell what the timeline is like. But this show, I feel like we have skips, and we're not really things aren't really ex- as explained. So when I heard the L word, uh, it didn't impact me as much um, because I almost wondered: is this like a force? Is it a force moment that you know he's worried? He's worried for her, and you know she's in the wasn't she in the bathtub at that point? She was in the bathtub, yeah. yeah. And she like she um, clocks him in the face with the phone number. I don't know. It yeah. It it wasn't. I don't know. I I felt like it wasn't as organic and it it wasn't as beautiful as a moment. You know that that I would like. But you know this is Gotham. It's not like everything is gonna come up roses and everything. And I feel like her role in this particular episode was downplayed by the Barbara Keen stuff. Uh, I think the focus was made to be on what was going on with Barbara because the ogre's focus is on Barbara right now. If the ogre's focus was on Lee, I think that there would have been a heightened sense of suspense and that, you know, this love uh, would have been even more intense because we as viewers would be all very concerned and worried what was going to happen to Lee. So I, I, I do like, I so like Lee. Um, but I, I do think that her role here was downplayed, and so I didn't feel as much of an emotional impact um, when they did exchange the fact that they care for each other in those terms. Huh. I really thought that it was like a strongly Gordon episode, not just because of the I love you, but like I said, just, you know, comparing, you know, what she does when Gordon's like leave town with like what Barbara does back in Penguin's Umbrella, but to each their own, you know, and we'll see how. We'll see what happens with the relationship. Like, I know that, you know, Aaron Richards already gave some spoilers, which we discussed last episode, but. I don't mind the fact that, like, I, I, I might have misheard still, but I don't mind the fact that, like, i got more screen time than Leslie because I think that, like, I mean, for her character to be worth anything, she really does kind of need it. And, like I said, like, you know, being involved in the main plot, I suppose she's kind of, like, running around 
you know, basically, I mean, I think the last like four or five times we've seen her, she's not been doing anything of real worth to the story besides letting the viewer know that she's still alive. So except letting people like live in her house, like when fish finally lands that helicopter and like the prisoners are going to be like, where do we go? Barbara Keen's going to be like, come on in and live with me. Anyone, you know, like this house is open to anyone who wanders in. <laughs> and we're just going to have like a house of like Selena Kyle, Poison Ivy. A and, den like, of the criminality. Doll, the doll makers, like, you know, prisoners. Maybe the clock tower will just become Arkham Asylum because everyone's already in there anyway. Well, I, I guess it's as good as time as any to talk about Barbara this episode. And because I had like just been re- rereading a lot of Daredevil, um, it, I was reminded a lot of Heather Glenn, which was one of Matt Murdock's girlfriends who, oh, you know, no. went through a deep depression and not like, her. you know, not her, <laughs> not her. Well, <laughs> went through like a deep depression and did a lot of drinking. Cause I feel like every time we've seen Barbara recently, she's either been drunk or had a drink in her hand. And Selena even gave her that look like a few week, uh, a month or two ago. Like it, it might have been the same episode with that, like creepy mirror scene. Like Barbara had a drink and Selena gave her a look and she put that drink down. And, um, like Stella, you know, and, and I've been a big, you know, critic of Barbara, you know, these past few months. You don't um, th- this is the, in a, past few months. Goodness gracious. The whole the series. Whole series. Yeah. This is, um, I, I liked what they did with Barbara this episode because you saw what was going on in her head and, you know, and they made it somewhat interesting that there, there's a moment where, um, she's, you know, she's saying to the ogre, like, you know, if I reveal my true nature and when she said that, like, you know, because of the joke on our podcast about her being Barbara, the frog, I just said, rib it out loud. And the kid who I was with, like looked at me and said, why'd you say that? What? I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. There's an inside joke about Barbara being a frog. He's like, like, what do you mean? Even with context doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. No. And he's like, what? Explain that now. And I was like, we're missing the show. I'll explain on the commercial. And he's like, well, why would you even say ribbit in the middle of a scene? But anyway, um, it's just, you know, like lines like when she's like, you know, if I got hit by a bus, like nobody would care. And if you think about it, like she does not have a good relationship with her parents, as we saw in that episode. You know, Renee Montoya called her poison and Jim has like moved on to somebody else. So she's probably feeling really abandoned aside from, you know, even her roommates, you know, like only kind of like come and go. They don't stick around the form any real connections. Although oh, I do. For her, she can't make friends with children. Oh, I do wonder where Poison Ivy is this episode because like she's just like Selena, Selena, not like Selena and Ivy, you know, but whatever's. Um, and I want to hit up this if I may. Yeah. Go, go for it. Hit, um, it. hit it up gang style. <laughs> Don't make me start singing. Um, I thought it was particularly eye, eyebrow raising when, when she's talking to, um, uh, Peter Rocky, Rocky Jr. And she says, you know, she starts getting to this whole like, thing, but you know, it's beyond the whole like, you know, like, like you thought I was, a, yeah, I had a boyfriend. He thought I was cheating and I wouldn't do that. But, when people see the real side of me, they run away because I'm fire and they'll get burned or whatever. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, uh, where did that come from? Um, uh, it's, it's, like, this, to me, this, this kind of reminds me of, this, this is not really spoiling, but like the Daredevil series, uh, in the comics, Karen Page has a very sordid past and they kind of vaguely hint that in the series. And if you know the comics, you understand why they might do that but with Barbara Keene. Literally a nothing character in the comics. I'm not sure like where exactly this is going just because I have a dark background. If you know me, then you'll, you'll, you'll get hurt or whatever. That felt 
almost like they're grasping at straws to make her worthwhile. What did you guys think about that line? I just figured that, well, like, you know, she was called poison by, like, the last person who she, you know, tried to form a connection with. Yeah, but, like... I don't know. Go ahead, Sil. Or Tessa. I was just gonna... I I don't... (laughs) I don't know if she was directly called poison. I think that Renee... I mean, we're gonna have to revisit this, but I feel like you're, you're... pulling it really negative i think the uh what renee was saying is that us together is a bad idea and like we're be- like we're poisoned to each we other heard that each other but down. what did barbara hear like what did how did barbara oh, interpret that i see and her inebriated yeah. state. <laughs> right like you know she just feels like you know she ruins everything and it falls apart which you know maybe, maybe some of the, what's your I mean, you know, it, everything that she's saying might not be true, but I think it's true to her. Oh, you know, like her, 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 you know, and when you when you don't have the love of your parents, that does things to you know your brain and to your self worth. And she does have this mysterious drug test that we don't know about too. So there is that. Well, no, no, I mean, like, like, like we, that, that's not really been defined. I mean, we know that she pops pills and smokes weed, but like, has she I was been, like, having a bad day. Yeah, but has she has she been hustling like heroin across the border? Like, how bad are we talking about? I, I think that, like... You, we'd have to go back to that episode with her and Renee, and, and they're never specific, but we do know that, like, they had, like, substance abuse problems together, and it was serious. I, I, I don't know. I, I just... I, I, I feel that there's a, there's a lot of telling and not showing, and because there's so much telling, I've lost my faith in being impressed with how bad up to the bone she might be. Um, I felt that we knew, what we knew about it was appropriate enough, you know, for this episode and for her to like, you know, say that to the ogre at this point, like, you know, she's depressed, you know, she, you know, her fiance's left her, Renee's left her, her parents don't care about her and she's drinking a lot and, you know, and she's being self-deprecating. And when you drink and you're self-deprecating, that's what happens. Well, it's like, what you say, Josh, like, like, like she has so much money that like, how much, how much are we supposed to care, care about it? Um, well, yeah, maybe, but maybe I'm just a callous bastard who can't, you know, sympathize with the woes well, of women. I yeah, of course. I don't know. I, 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 I might be too distant to really engage in her persona a lot, but like, I feel that like, it, it feels like a character saying it because they're in a Batman show and not that like, like the story's built that up efficiently for me and i know that like she's done stuff but I, it, it, everybody's done stuff in the show everybody's committed crimes in this show every single character except for maybe yes and maybe she probably has wait she's done stuff and she's poison and she okay do you think that Bar- okay so you mentioned that barbara has a lot of money right she has to live there okay so do you think that she'd be able to afford a nice pair of shoes well we saw her wearing a nice pair of shoes why are you playing into him right now? <laughs> I just love Stella's like, you know, don't, don't, don't encourage him. If Barbara has nice shoes, that is the only lead that we have on the Wayne murder. Do you think that Barbara, <laughs> mur- <laughs> do you think that Barbara murdered the Waynes and that's what like, Oh man, happened? I hope so. Cause they were going to expose her like secret that she's, it's about time out. that the Wayne murder has, be- has, has, is now a woman. We need to, uh, you know, prop up the diversity and um, criminality <laughs> she, in Gotham City. I, I could just like imagine, like, like she like shoots someone, and Bruce is like, "Para," and she says, "Call me Joanne." Chill. I'm literally face palming right now. I'm literally face right now. I I guess I I don't know. I I disagree with Donovan. 
in the fact that even on his birthday, I'm sorry, I told myself I was going to be nice to him, which I have been so believe- Don, can you, can you just refresh me on what you were saying about, um, about, uh, just what she was saying to the ogre that, that she's damaged. Well, um, what, what were your thoughts on the reason they were saying that? From what I gathered, my, my might be muddy. I'm a little tired. Uh, like he was like, you know, kind of like doing a spurring thing and making assumptions of her. And she kind of fires back. Like you assume that I'm the kind of person to cheat on my spouse. I would not cheat on my spouse and I'm single. And the reason why I'm single is that, you know, when people get close to me, you know, they, they see me for who I really am and I'm not a good person and they get burned or something to that effect. And it, 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 it felt like dialogue to make a character more interesting than they actually are. And I think, like, between that and, like, the vague uh, references to some sort of, like, druggy past, it felt like this show is trying to go a certain way to make Barbara Gordon an interesting character. and She's not Barbara Gordon. Barbara Keene, an interesting character and an intense character. A character that, like, you know, if ex- who exists in real life, you would not want to know. And that, that, rang, that rang especially hollow for me because there's a lot of talking, not much showing. And all she's really been doing is showing to be kind of an idiot. So I, I, I kind of thought that was a well, bit weak. yeah. Well, I feel like we, we've already been through the showing phase. I mean, look at where she's been all these, you know, staying in her apartment. Then she has her downward spiral, spiral, which really does not seem to hit bottom. And so here she is. She's going out again, which is interesting. Of course, picking up sketch balls, but what can you do? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just get a, a different sense. Um, I don't know, a different feeling from this. Again, uh, you know, I, I liked how she was in this particular one. I felt like, um, and it wasn't, when I was talking about Leslie and saying that I think the focus was on Barbara, that wasn't at all a negative point. I think that you've got this ogre and and he feels like Barbara is the person that he can use to bring Jim down. And so because uh, he is going for her and asking these questions about boyfriend, she's incorrectly assuming what he thinks of her. But it's the reason it's because he's trying to gather information and, and say, you know, are you still dating Jim? Are you the way that I can get to him? Things like that. Um, I, you know, I think that the whole thing with the, the bean poison and, and, uh, <laughs> I I don't know, almost being a black widow, right, to to her relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that that's where the character is right now. Um and I guess it didn't bother maybe I've just been resigned to it now, or I am resigned to it just because it's been the same thing over and over again, so now I'm just kinda leveling out. But it's it's I think it's very intriguing the fact that he was ready to stab her in the back. And she is going on this, this monologue and he says, you know, you are, <laughs> you're not what I expected. And he ends up leaving, <laughs> uh, which there was some provocation. I, 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 it's just something I felt like it was, it was very unexpected. And I think that these two characters work well together because they are so very damaged, uh, in two different mm. ways. But, you know, Babs, I think, uh, I shouldn't have called her that. That's terrible. Barbara, I, I think Barbara. is, <laughs> they're coming for you. Barbara. Oh, yes. Ogre's coming for you. I, yeah, I, they're both damaged. I think in, in two different ways. Barbara, I think, 
there is something weird with with people in her life and i think to a certain extent she's been rejected like sh- her love has been rejected by certain people i think it was her fault for the jim gordon situation i think that there's a lot of psychological issues there because obviously she was kidnapped we could be dealing with ptsd or whatever the renee i think that was just a dangerous situation she knew what was going to happen because she had been down that dark road and, and then she went back there's a bad relationship with her parents so it seems like she is rejected in her love and i think that's where this monologue is coming from and i I think if you're just looking at it you know through this episode without looking at the whole and what has happened with this character then i totally see that it's forced but i think it comes at a good time and it's directed towards a character that can appreciate it and that we can see similarities between the two and that's why i think that this is actually very intriguing intriguing storytelling with her and I feel like she's actually playing a part and there may actually be some meaning for her compared to the Barbara that seems to not do anything and is just a waste of screen time. No, that was actually very well said. I'm a uh, I uh, am impressed with that level of uh, interest. <laughs> no, really, that, that was that was particularly insightful. I feel like um, he left the apartment, you know, not because of like, you know, feeling a kinship with her, but because like when she said she was single <laughs> he, bas- he basically realized that, like, he needed to, like, you know, catch up on Gotham because if he kills her, like, you know, she's not, with- she's not with Gordon anymore. We're so meta. Yeah. Like, she isn't with Gordon anymore, so he realized, like, it was a waste of time, that mission. And, you know, for whatever reason, he went after her again at the ball because I guess, well, I guess he, he saw Gordon on his TV, you know, at the press conference being like, you know what? An ex-fiance, you know, still might get under his skin. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just super, you know, that last, I mean, let's be honest, it, it was totally a Fifty Shades of Grey sense at the very end, right? Which, I mean, it's a different it's, ending than, like, what they gave in the trailer last week, because he, like, touches her and oh, she really? falls. I was waiting for that, too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't miss that. Yeah, and but, trailer. like, in this one, they just, like, look at each other. Oh, well, that may, maybe it's the, the tease for the next one. But I just think it's interesting that all of the other girls, like, very guarded. He was closing off the room. And then in this case, she's, you know, what is that? Look for yourself. And, you know, they walk in together. And, uh, I don't know. It, it's very, it's intriguing. You kind of wonder, like, what is about that? It's almost like he's now? inviting her to join forces because, like, like, when the other woman with the fair Oh, my woman, gosh. Well, he like he like he, he grabs her and obviously is in peace towards her. But here he's he's like you know, it, it, it's almost like like anytime Bruce Wayne invites somebody into the back cave and reveals his identity, that kind of thing, where they kind of look at each other. Security, and she, security. Who led Vicky mm-hmm. Vale into the back cave? Vicky. Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Shut up! Anyway, um. Yeah, it, it, it is a read as like, you know, I'm going to kill you now. It's, it's more like, you know, join me and together we can rape and pillage Gotham together. Oh my gosh. Um, but don't you think find, he, all he wants to do is find someone. So don't you think he would essentially stop? Ooh, what he's doing? So maybe he's not going after Barbara as, um, as a ploy to get to Gordon. Maybe he legitimately thinks that Barbara's his unconditional love. I, 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 that's what, what I was sensing. Wow. I'm kind of confused though. Like, like, so, I, 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 I was kind of losing the plot as to like, you know, uh, the woman that, he, the dead woman in the house wasn't his mother. Yeah. Uh, her uh, mother. I, 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 
I, I don't know what, what is his motivation because like uh, last episode he was he was straight up Ted. He, he was ugly, so his mom didn't love him, and that's why he wants unconditional mm-hmm. love because he never got that from his mom. So he he tries to get it through sex, and then like is is disappointed all the time. So he butchers the women, and that's kind of childish. <laughs> no one said that he was mature. But yeah, but like I mean, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Hmm, okay. Gotham writers, you know, if if you are listening, you know, we just have to say this, like, and they're not. Do maybe <laughs> if they are, That's they're probably not. crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Gotham writers, if you are listening, this is the type of stuff we want to see with Barbara Kane. Her involved with the plot and having character development. More stuff like this. Less of her wandering into her apartment drunk and finding out that she has roommates. So, you know, I, I feel like if we criticize them for when they're, for when they do a bad job with Barbara, we should, you know, commend them for doing a good job. You know, it's like the kids at work, you know, you're supposed to, it, you, you can't just like tell them when they do stuff wrong. You have to, you know, give them stickers and rewards for good behavior. And this mm-hmm. is good behavior. And another uh, plot line this episode was Bruce and Selena, which, um, I saw the preview, like, cause YouTube, um, the Gotham channel will release, like, small clips from the episode, and sometimes I'll watch those just to, like, see. And it had the scene from the dinner party where, like, you know, Bruce is like, oh, Selena, you shouldn't be killing. And she's like, but Bruce, I had to. And I did not like that scene because I thought that the conversation should have been more emotional. But, like, I didn't realize at the time when I saw that, that they were going to have a conversation earlier in the episode, which was, Really good. Good acting out of David. I can't pronounce Davi his last Mazzaus, name. Is that right? Da- Davi Mazaus. Like mm-hmm. great acting out of him. Like him and Selena yelling at each other and like, you know, Bruce Wayne crying, which like, you know, he's not Batman yet. He's still like, you know, a little wimpy. <laughs> and yet he's still a little wimpy boy. So like, yeah, like he, he witnesses like his best friend. And I think we can call Selena his best friend. You know, he witnesses his best friend like murder someone and, you know, this traumatic event and. You know, he, he's gonna cry. He feels partially responsible. He's kind of even implicated, you know, by like helping her cover it up. Uh, so this was good. But then of course they have to confront this Wayne board guy and steal the keys. So they have their date. And I love, um, when he like, <laughs> when, when Selena comes home, she's like, Oh, cool. I'm going to this ball too. What? Yeah. My date's Bruce Wayne. What? And then like, she just like from there, like is like, you know what? I'm not even going to question this. And then like, Bruce shows up at the door to like pick her up, and she's in her dress. And <laughs> that was a little campy, but it was it was quite fun. I know, but it, it was it was adorable. And then you know, and then they talked more about you know the ethics of murder and stuff. But and then and then you know he had to lie to Alfred. I love the scene with Bruce and Alfred. You know, and like oh, it's like that. Then he's like no, <laughs> no, it's not. And like the kid and I were watching, like yelling at the TV. Just tell him it's like that, so he won't you know like question your evil little plan. But it is interesting, like, you know, Bruce going behind Alfred's back with a woman, you know, to, like, hatch this secret plot. Well, you see that, like, you know, like, he like says, you know, you know, it's not like that. So what's it like? And then you see Bruce, like, legitimately do, like, a whole shifty eye thing. Is it, uh, well, what if it is like that? <laughs> like, he's like, actually, I can use this, this fib to my advantage, which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I loved, I, I think that that scene in the beginning where Bruce is just screaming at Selena, uh, is some of the best acting the show has ever seen. And some from like some of the youngest cast members. And, and it was totally justified. It wasn't like just them crying for no reason. Like, I mean, I, I love that scene. I really do. Because, you know, Bruce is trying his hardest to, uh, get to the truth. 
but in doing so, someone ends up dead. And you can tell just because, oh, I don't know, his parents were killed. That's the last thing he wanted. So that was great. I really, really like that. And I, I like Selena's, like, you know, she doesn't care. Of course, she, her, you know, I think she's an orphan, but like, uh, she, she just doesn't, that's just not on her mindset. So I like the fact that they're just kind of yelling at each other. Um, I was less keen on the scene in the ball where like, look, 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 he says like, you know, um, you know, that's a line I will never cross because that, that to me was really silly. That's a Batman line. And when he says, well, don't you want it to be, there are some origin there before he starts saying it when he's 25 years well, old? It, it all depends on like, like the development though. I, 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 I maintain that like, the decision to take a life or doing that is something that's really serious. And I think that's, that shouldn't come lightly. So for him to kind of just say, that's a line that will never cross. When you do what? Exactly. When you become Batman? Like, what does he, what does he mean? He's, he's, he's when a- Alfred drives him to his classmates' houses and says, beat this guy up. Funny. But, but, but that's, that, yeah, that, that's funny. It happened. That, that to me is like another example of them, them trying to have their cake and eat it too, because that felt too soon almost. Like I, 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 I'm not one to constantly compare stuff to like the Nolan films, but I really liked in the Nolan films how he had to kind of like wrestle his feelings and come to that decision after a while, as opposed to just you know by the end of the day kind of realize actually I'm not the one to kill. And it, again, it, it felt too Batmanish, too too soon in my opinion. It, it just felt unrealistic. Um, I mean, I like Batman. Well, could it also be that Batman he's right a now. he's a naive kid? And it's not that he's Batman yet, but he's like a naive kid, and the whole situation's very black and white for him. Yeah, but that's just the, the dialogue in and of itself was just too much. I, that's the line I won't cross. I, that felt very definitive of of a mindset that's just not shouldn't be his right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he should kill, but I'm saying like you know to say it that way is like they, they completely like you know forgot what show they're writing. That's a Batman line. I don't know. I don't know. It, was, it, was a, it was a bit, it was kind of funny to me. But I, I did like the scenes. I like them dancing. Uh, you know, everybody's staring. Well, I am Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh, I love that line. I like it. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I felt almost like it was taken from Cinderella because when they're dancing in this recent Cinderella, you know, she says they're all looking at you and he says, believe me, they're not looking at me. And I felt like just with the dress and everything and the fact that she certainly is like the epitome of a Cinderella, a street rat, uh, street rat, uh, turning it, yeah, turning into, you know, this princess here that perhaps was a reference to Cinderella. Stella, what did you think? Did you, did you get a Batman Returns vibe from that prom scene or that charity ball scene, I guess? A Batman Returns? Mm-hmm. A kiss could be the even movie? dead. Like, no, a, a mistletoe can be deadly if you eat yeah, it. Who, who's going around eating mistletoes, by the way? I'm like, what? But, you know, um, but a kiss could be even deadly. No, what scene are you were, talking about? Where they were like dancing. It's very said that like... No, I mean, what scene in Batman Returns is that reminding when, when you Bruce and when, when Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer were at the ball in the third act, and they realized they're the secret oh. identities. No, that movie actually disturbs. Oh, good. I'm gonna choose a film review soon. It is a very disturbing movie. It's a horrifying movie. It's not a bad movie. But my yeah. point is that, like, I love it though. It's, it's probably because like Carmen Bingdova is blatantly, obviously cast because she looks a lot like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer with the wacky hair. But like, I, I felt, I don't say I felt a vibe, but it reminded me a lot of Batman Returns in, in an interesting way. Uh, it's probably better just the fact that like the same characters are at the same situation or a similar situation. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're having the same discussion. Although they did debate about murder and, and while they were dancing there too. Um, and I, I, tell me that Dylan Trek won't solve anything because it will. Um, I, I did. I did say last week that you know, you know, while it, I do like that they like having these arguments over the fundamentals of justice, like 
like Don, I do wonder if it's too soon for that, but because it was done well here and it is organic for the storyline, you know, uh, I dug it. Um, I'm a little, I'm a, I was a little disappointed, you know, Donovan here really liked that scene, uh, you know, at the beginning where they're, they're, well, Bruce is having it out with Selena, and I was disappointed, I guess, just that I felt like we're making Selena into a psychopath. I mean, to have a, to have a child say that, you know. Yeah, I'll do it again. It it didn't bother me at all. I thought, oh, you know, this is not, I feel like she should be somewhat affected. And the fact that she was not affected at all makes me very concerned. Well, the way way that she's acting that scene, I, I, I could see it if she's kind of like bluffing and maybe she panics for a little bit. But at the same time, the way, the way that it is written, I think it's like, you know, and the way that, like, apparently the interviews went, it's like, ah, Catwoman's first kill. And we were set, we've mentioned last episode that, like, she's typically not a murderer the majority of her time, so. You, you can't ignore this. Um, I mean, and I, I, I'm wondering, you know, what they're gonna do. And I'm thinking that, like, maybe Selena will encourage, uh, or Bruce will encourage Selena to, like, you know, confess to the murder. And maybe, you know, she'll do that. And, like, temporarily, I mean, she's not gonna be arrested forever, but maybe, like, She'll enter some plea deal with Harvey Dent, like where like she doesn't serve that much time for the murder, and she like gives up information about something to do with the Wayne board. Are they, what was the last the last time we see them in, in the uh, episode? What are they doing? Are they pickpocketing that guy? They they have the key, and there's already a scene online like uh, from even before this episode aired. They had like footage of the episode after this, where like they actually go into the office and like start to go into the vault, and. Uh, you know, like when the episode ended, I like the kid and I turned to each other. We're like, we're like, oh wow, like you know, like it, that ended quickly. Cause we're like, we still need Bruce and Selena to like go into the vault and the ogre to like you know get crushed by Fish's helicopter when she crashes it into them and you know stuff like that. Um, so our next, let's see, we have two shipping. Do we want to do Maroni and Penguin's mom or Kringle and Enigma? I want to do Riddler. Okay. Uh, well, the Riddler plot. Actually, yeah, you you talk about the Riddler plot line first. Okay. The, all right. In the beginning, uh, when I first, uh, I actually got to this episode late, so I had to kind of watch it twice. And one of the earlier scenes that I saw, I kind of sat down and started watching it as it was airing. Um, I see Riddler walk in, and suckle uh, Miss Kringle is in the arms of a dashing policeman. And I text Josh, I'm like, again, and again, and again, and again. This is literally like the half dozenth time we've seen this exact same scenario. He's got to learn to stop walking in that in that office at, at whatever time. It must be like the exact same time, but like he's like, ah, surely she'll she'll fall in love with me now. Oh, I guess she's already with some money. And it's like, of all the times that we make fun of this show for repeating the plot lines, this is the, the most like repeated plot line like like all the time. So, but, okay, but so that was annoying. But beyond that. I liked where it ended up, where Riddler, like, you know, kind of goes crazy and kills a guy. And I really liked the acting by, um, was it Corey Michael something, I think? Uh, the guy. I, I really liked, uh, his acting after he stabs, uh, uh, the douchey, uh, policeman to death. Because he's kind of like laughing, but then he's kind of like horrified and really kind of like anxious. And then he kind of like, has like three emotions at once. That was actually particularly good acting, especially for like a character like the future Riddler. So I thought that, uh, you know, despite the bit of a hiccup at the beginning, I thought it ended up very, it ended up in a very interesting place. 
I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, I agree with Donovan. There you go, first time in the show. That Ooh. it does seem like the same, you know, every time. I mean, basically, Miss Kringle needs to put a, either a tie or a rubber band or a sock on the door to let people know that there's some hinky stuff going on in the records room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or just not make out during work hours. I know, during office time. Because it's true that every time he walks in, and of course he's got something behind his back for her, whether it be a cupcake with a bullet in it, or in this case I think it was a uh, a watermelon salad, not to be confused with a pineapple salad. I, I feel like we're relegated to two different enigmas. We have the enigma who is, he's got his riddles and he's doing his actual job for GCPD. And then we have the enigma that is just forever chasing after and he's in this little friend zone bubble that is, you know, walking around. And, you know, he's he's somewhat of a creeper. Uh, the... The, oh, I don't know. I feel like the whole relationship, it, it escalated so quickly. You know, he's going from, he's seeing these two together, which I'm shocked that it wasn't the other guy, Flass. No, this guy, in fact, the, the, the booty slapper, he is the one that's slightly ab- abusive or perhaps Maybe that's why slightly. she was crying in that one episode. Well, we gotta make sure that, like, like she, she, had, she, she, Maybe. Had her, she had bruises on her arms. So she had, does that mean that Flass was abusing her too, though? Because she was uncomfortable there too. So I, I feel like there's there's something with Kringle. I think we need to air out that character a little bit. We need to figure out what's going on with her she's easy prey. because right, I, I she's easy prey. I don't, well, there's got to be someone that goes towards that. There's obviously something psychologically wrong. So I, I think we need to figure something out or just dispose of the character. But you know. Enigma goes from seeing it to being protective. I'm like, oh, this is good. So he threatens him, and I thought, that's good. But then all of a sudden, he's stalking him and waiting outside, and then he's stabbing, stab, 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 multiple stabs, just stabbing, stabbing. And then between, oh, dear, oh, dear, and laughing, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is what would happen if Josh Bertone became a psycho because he would laugh between saying, oh, dear. I just felt like it it escalated... Yeah, exactly. Good lord. I think it just escalated very quickly for the character, and I think it was too soon for the riddle, the riddle man character. I feel like maybe we had some miles to go, Robert Frost, before we got to, to where we needed to, to be with it. I, I just feel like we skipped so much that all of a sudden his killer instincts. Kicked well, I mean, I would at least put forth the idea, sorry. I would put forth the, at least the idea that, uh, because I said that he keeps on walking into his crush, you know, in a tryst. That that has as much of the repetition as it is. It's the exact same thing that has to build up. And it's this, there's between frustration, there's jealous frustration with that, and the fact that like the guys, she's literally allowing people, allowing people to abuse her. So I think I think that kind of like helps make him. It's like jealousy and a fall, you know, a misguided sense of being protective. That kind of brought him that way because, because it, it wouldn't be like this. It's not like this is like the second or third time. This is like the sixth time he's been in this, been in this kind of cuckolded situation. Do you want to know more about Kringle? Do you feel like we deserve to know more about Once Kringle? you pop, the fun don't stop. Uh, well, I could have oh, wait, no, that's several Pringles. minutes. Uh, Those are Pringles. Well, um, we, we say, we do we deserve? I mean, like... It's not like she's an important character. So I think we uh, we ought to. <laughs> she's not the character we need. She's the character we deserve. 
I, I mean, I think that it would help to like not have everything to be a little bit more invested in her character, like we are with the other female characters. Like, we, like, like, see what she's doing outside of the office because she is kind of fodder for for the Riddler, and because we're seeing so much of her, it would be nice to be, have a little uh, variety. I want to make a note of something. You know, remember how like he used to give her all those creepy gifts, like you know the cupcake with the bullet in it. He was using those watermelon to like you know basically like test like you know trajectories and stab wounds and then he used Uh the watermelons like from work that he was like using to like track a serial killer like as like the leftovers as a gift that that, that's still kind of creepy but um he had so there were so many funny lines within this episode like i love when gordon you know was looking for lee and he's like where's lee and he's like oh uh uh you know uh do i look like a cop I, I have I have permission to be in here, you know, blah, 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 because like, he, he got in trouble with the last medical examiner. He's like, oh, no, no, I totally have permission this time. I swear, like, he thought he was in trouble again. And then when he's outside of Miss Kringle's apartment and, like, you know, uh, uh, Dead Man Walking says, Riddle Man, what are you doing <laughs> creeping around here? Like, that was another time I laughed out loud. But the moment that, like, you know, he took the watermelon and walked away, the kid, you know, said, and I looked at each other and said, all right, you know, he's dead. He's dying this episode. And, like, when his dying words are, like, Riddle Man, I was totally expecting, like, Edward Nygma to be, like, not Riddle Man. From now on, I shall be the Riddler, which um, I'm glad that they didn't do that. That would have been too on the nose. But mm-hmm. uh, I know how much you like that. Give me a break. Don't even. As try. long as he doesn't be, like, one day, we should form, an, uh, you know, um, a there united underworld with mm-hmm. Kamen or Schmid, lad. Schmid, we we, We've met all the united underworld so far. Anyway, um, I liked the Riddler plotline. You know, it, it was enjoyable and it was intense. And, you know, we're seeing Ed slowly break down. So, and he had funny lines. And if that's it, then uh, we could talk about the true romance between Sal Maroney, call him Sal, and Penguin's mom, Gertrude. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, Is that like Stiff War's mom, Penguin's mom? Oh, you know, the beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah, I didn't hate, you know, the plot line, but it was like, you know, okay, you know, you know, more Penguin and Maroney stuff. But at the end, like, this plot line was made for me for the last scene where Penguin is just, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, he's just as angry as, like, he's ever been. And, you know, and he doesn't care that he's getting sloppy, you know, because, like, first he tells the flower guy, you know, tell Don Maroney this, this, and this. And when he closes the door, I was thinking, oh, boy, you shouldn't have told him all that. You know, now Maroney's going to know. So then he opens the door like, oh, actually, I'll tell him myself and like murders the guy where he's just so angry. Like he needed to take his anger out somewhere. And, you know, I love how his mom, you know, didn't believe penguins, you know, pro- protest like, you think I'm just a woman with hay for brains? Well, so anybody who talks like that is a bit so intelligently. <laughs> I, again, I, I mentioned at the start of the episode, I thought that, uh, I was kind of like, you know, okay, let's see where this goes when I first saw things. But I liked how it it really escalated where so I was like, are you really this stupid? Your son's a thug. He's killed people. My best friend, frankly, the guy that, we, that your viewers have only seen for two episodes, he murdered him. He's sucking with, he senselessly killed him, all that kind of stuff. I thought, okay, you're going to get at somebody? That's the way to do it. That is, that's pretty awesome. So I really liked it. And it, it, it shows a three-dimensionality because, like, she she does want to believe in her son, but... She's not like, you know, she's not like Aunt May in the, in the worst Spider-Man comics who will just like listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got the sense that she kind of didn't even believe Pink when he always says, I'm just a nightclub owner. That's all. 
So that, I was pretty impressed. And like to see Penguin so upset was, was, was a nice change of pace. He's, he's been kind of a wuss the whole, for a, lot, a while now. And we like the Penguin who is very devious and very intelligent and very creepy. And we've not seen him in, in a long time. So I like the fact that like, he, hopefully this will kind of, you know, take his hood off and he'll be very, very uh, dangerous for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think that is great to see the Penguin again that certainly is not untouchable, uh, to use the light toties there. Because I, I feel like, you know, he's walked around like he's, he's got everything in the bag. He's ready to go. He's, he may step on, um, uh, Falcone's toes a little bit, but hey, in the end, it'll be okay. Uh, he's got this other bar sit, set up that he's gonna take it. And then we just see that, hey, his weakness still is, you know, his mom, which I go back to like way back when. When we were doing this show, and I think maybe we still like Gotham, uh, that I said I feel like his mother's going to get killed, and that's going to be the breaking point. I still feel like some bad's going to happen to uh, old mother Cobblepot, but uh, yeah, it was interesting how flustered he got when all of that. I mean, even before Moroni or Sal was uh, was saying all that stuff to her, just seeing him over there was was enough to set him off. I would just like to resubmit the the fact that I think this this particular storyline really runs parallel with the ogre and his mother's relationship. Um they're running alongside each other but they're just so contrasting because the ogre obviously he was he was thrown away by his mother and then the the place that he was living at with his father the butler that woman somewhat adopted him under false pretenses, I guess. And, you know, but in the end laughed at him and said, you know, no one's ever going to love you. So he never got the love that he wanted from a mother figure. And then we've got Penguin over here. And no matter what, you know, his mother is supportive and, and she doesn't want to be heartbroken over what he's doing or lies at least. And she'll accept him. So he's very much the, the opposite of the ogre. And, you know, they have some more physical defects though the ogre now is very attractive so yeah I, I think it's it's interesting when you when you look at it that way and and i feel like the the story fits better if you think of it that way not complexes but mama's boyisms in this show yeah but i think parents are, are so instrumental in in comic book characters lives um and you know I, i've been they all die yeah i, I and i think it's interesting because I've been binge watching, not nah, binge listening to Taking Flight while I've been doing crazy long runs. And, you know, it's interesting to hear Tom talk about Tim Drake's parents. I had no idea about just sort of the neglect that they, they put him through to a certain extent. But it's so unheard <laughs> of, uh, to a point that there are even parents that are alive. I mean, if you think of, I feel like we can think of so many people whose parents are dead and, you know, even even if they are dead, they still have such an impact on the character as we watch, just like with we see, which we see with Bruce. But I think it's even more interesting to have a parent that is alive and to see how they are interacting with this child and how that child is is going to grow up and or change or if there's not anything going to happen. But I think parents and their roles in these characters, whether they are villains or heroes, is a is an intriguing thing, and I, I think we can't neglect that. I mean, it's too easy to kill them all off. I, I think it, it 
creates drama. I mean, that's really the Batman family. But but I think it's even more interesting to have a parent still present in the life of the character that you're, you're dealing with. Well, as a superhero, it's become, I don't know if it started that way, but it's become a superhero tradition because, like, you know, plug for comic film review, there, there is uh, Daredevil who uh his mother disappeared and his father was eventually killed. Obviously Batman, obviously Superman, obviously Spider Man. Oh. Um the majority Cassie of the Walker's mom sold her daughter's soul to the devil. Good lord. Um and I remember like when I was on uh a, long, a couple of years ago, when I was talking to the Dark Knight Returns with Michael Bailey and, and um Michael Kaiser, they mentioned I think Bailey mentioned that like, you know, even Carrie Kelly's parents were there, but they were not there emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, in some respect <laughs> to be a superhero, you, you got to be able to, you know, not have a curfew. But another respect, like there's an emotional and sort of mental absence that sort of like you know frees you up to have the sort of mindset to be that character. And it, it also goes for villains too. Obviously, with Penguin and his Penguin has always been kind of a mama's boy in, in one way or another. Uh-huh. And I don't know if we've seen that with like the origins of Riddler or or the Joker or any other character. It's always been for some reason the Penguin brings up that very sort of like infantile kind of like Freudian thing. And I don't know where that comes from. I mean, it's interesting, but it is something that I feel that like the character kind of just lends himself to. Probably, I, I, I don't know where that's coming from, especially because this, this penguin is, in some ways, he's, he's kind of opposite from what we think about penguin. You know, penguins typically short, stout, squat, and fat. And this one's kind of like a tall and thin. And, but he still kind of evokes that sort of like mindset. So, uh, it's interesting how things kind of repeat itself. This was officialist week, our first in a while, and I, I think we know, we all know the answer to this question. But do you think that the episode was improved by you know lack of uh, underwater sea creatures who were married to Will Smith? Uh, that actually sounded more insulting than it needed to. No, be. Yeah, I, know, I know you didn't mean that. We were well, I mean, like, I don't want to say that like fish is an albatross of the show. It's just that they tend to write here in these like who cares kind of scenes. And it, 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 like, like when she's involved in the main plot, I don't tend to mind unless, unless she's like, she's it's going nowhere. But, uh, because the last several times, no, like, nobody, nobody likes the Zollmaker plot, but the fact that that ended so much, I don't think I would have minded as much as, as it have in the past, but it didn't hurt. It, I, I wasn't necessarily missing her in the show either. So I think this episode, I don't say it benefited from it, but like, I didn't think much of it. It, it, it did well without her. I'll say. I don't know if it's necessarily the absence of fish, but I think it's the absence of yet another story. Because I, yeah. I think we are, we, my constant criticism, and it will continue until it is fixed, is that it's just, the show is overcrowded. And that's, I think, what makes it not good. Because we're just pulled in all these different directions, different storylines, and it just seems to drag on. And I think if you limit it, then we have stronger episodes. So we got rid of Fish, we got rid of a storyline, and I think we were able to focus on more important moments, and it was a stronger episode. I agree, you know, uh, because taking time for Fish would have meant taking time away from, you know, something like Bruce's scene with Alfred, where, you know, he was, you know, asking about killing and Alfred misunderstood it, Mm -hmm. or, you know, one of Bruce and Selena's arguments about murder, or, you know, finally getting character development for Barbara Kane. And it it doesn't help that a lot of Fish's plot lines, you know, I, I, I like, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith as Fish Mooney, but I don't think that they've had her in the best plot lines. And like, you know, a stupid plot line about, you know, like 
fish fixing a helicopter blade or something like that, you know, so that they can buy more time before she actually gets back to Gotham. That was Under the Knife. Next week's episode is The Anvil or the Hammer, and Tessa Gooley has the description for Thank that. Thank you. Yes, the ogre breaks down Barbara's emotions, while Gordon and Bullock go to great lengths to track him down. Meanwhile, Penguin leads a massacre, beginning an epic war, while Bruce learns the truth about Wayne Enterprises, and Nigma deals with his recent actions in the all-new... The Anvil or the Hammer episode of Gotham. And have you all seen the little preview? No, but it's, it looks risque. Because I see. Um, because men and women are the same. If you watch the preview, like, there is... We might be getting a Batcave next week. Oh, yeah! I saw about that. I, I, like, like, he's like, you know, your father had a secret. And, like, he uh, does the whole clock tower thing. Or, or, or the clock. Uh, and it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> this better not. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I, I would, I would, I would be annoyed if there's a bat cave down there, like a legitimate, like you know, computer bat cave. But I don't. You'll think be annoyed. Be. Yeah. Why does Thomas Wayne have a bat cave? Because he was bat. Because he was the first Batman. Remember. Yeah. He 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 arrested Lou Moxon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is true. If they do that, that will be interesting. And. Uh, <laughs> Or what if this entire episode is a sequel, not a prequel? Like, do we ever learn that, like, Bruce's dad's name was Thomas Wayne? Like, what if he's Bruce Wayne Sr., and all this time we've been dealing with Bruce Wayne Jr., and has been uh, limited in? There's not a lot of things that's going to make me happy from that. <laughs> that would blow everyone's mind. Or, like, Henry Bruce Wayne. Um. Anyway, yeah, and Penguin's, like, running across with, like, a gun, so I guess we're going to get some action. Um. And it's the pen ultimate episode, so the pen you know. ultimate episode weekend. And notice fish wasn't mentioned. Yeah, the cast list usually they have a cast list, and I like reading the guest stars because like everyone's always included in the main cast list, regardless of if they appear or not. Like Christmas Allen is still on there, and we haven't seen him in like <laughs> you know like six seasons. Um, but I like looking at the guest star list, and you know that that's how I know who's going to show up and who isn't, and. Um, I couldn't find it in any of the links, so it should be interesting. Any predictions and guesses for next episode? Oh, uh, and, and Gordon, like, manhandles Penguin, like, where are they? <laughs> he must have friends. I bet you that uh, the Ogre plotline will finish. I, I hope so, because I don't want the season finale to be taken up by the Ogre. I don't know. I think it works. I, I think that the season finale should be, like, focused on, like, you know, the Wayne murders and, like, this, you know, Falcone, Fish, Maroney, Penguin War. So you think they're saying Fish sure. for the end? Uh, should be the final boss. You know, I mean, may, maybe. I mean, th- we have so many dangling plot threads, like, you know, the favor that Gordon owes Penguin, you know, Fish returning, is Bush really brainwashed? Who murdered the Waynes? Um, what happened when Barbara stayed for the weekend? You know, where does Poison Ivy live? You know, is it with uh, Christmas Allen right now? So, I mean, I'm hoping that those things will get addressed. All right. And we will see that next week. And we will see you all next week. Until then, this is Josh. This is Donovan. And this is Tessa. And you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle Birthday for Donovan podcast. <laughs> Oh,
So, how, how are we? Oh, um, and it is a very special occasion. Yeah, happy birthday, Don. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was telling Josh, it's been a very low-key birthday, but it's A-OK with me. Um, tomorrow, uh, Stella, we're going to... Re- I-, I legitimately review that Dragon Ball Z movie 12. Oh, so. mine wasn't good enough? Well, we're, this ours won't be a commentary, so... <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I don't know what that was. That escalated quickly. Apparently there's been a new discovered frog species that looks just like Kermit the Frog. <gasps> Barbara. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, of course. <laughs> She's hopping all around this episode. Catching flies and ogres. Yeah. It fell out. I mean, what were the subplots in Balloon Man who could even remember at this that, that, that was like almost a year ago. <laughs> Not that long. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I Still, feel like all of a sudden that. I'm on a podcast with Beavis. Actually, I was just I was thinking the exact same thing. Would you be Daria? Uh, uh, I am. Yeah, I'm fine with being Daria. I do enjoy her. <laughs> I, I love Daria's show a lot. I binge that like. This all be cut out. I imagine. <laughs> no, because it's a blooper section. Um. So, ba 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 Berkeen. Uh, Barbara, yes, thank you, thank you, Beach Boys. That, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just like, is this what we are relegated to? That Nigma has his. Are you okay? Um, yes, yeah. maybe. Okay. Oh, I bet. <laughs> you terrible. <coughs> You're done, huh? I'm gonna tail on you. <laughs> um, so, anywho. Um, I just had, like, a frightening visage of, like, the, what if we were honestly on the line with someone when they were dying and we could do nothing? Well, you, we, I mean, that we, was... we call the, uh, it's, I just saw a movie about that called Unfriended, where, like, these people are watching their oh. friends dying. I know. <laughs> Why do you waste your money on that? That was a fun movie. <laughs> fun is not No, it, it literally right. was fun. Everyone in the theater was cracking up laughing. I thought it was a horror flick. It is. <laughs> That's what made it so funny. Like, it was a horror flick that, like, you know, just wound up being funny instead. Penguin, can I come over after school? After school. Penguin's mom has got it going on. She's Penguin, can't you see? You're just not the character for me. I know so yeah, um, I, I, I think I'm rambling. Maybe better call it. Uh, there, there's some good stuff in there, and it's your birthday, so we'll throw you. In. Do you edit well, us a lot? If we ramble, um, not rambles. I edit out like if um, you swear all the time. if it takes like three times to start a sentence, like sometimes you know, and and all and all, all three of us. No, all three of us will do it. Like, you know, we'll start to make a point, and we'll hesitate, and we'll, like, kind of restart the sentence. You know, I might edit it to make it more, um, you know, articulate or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll also find myself in, in this. I'll let, like, I, 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 <laughs> right. I edit out, I edit out long ums, like, if we go, um, okay, 
I think that Barbara needs to. I'll let it out the um, okay, you know, okay. thing, and it'll just start with I, I just think Barbara it. needs to. I edit out like when I tell you guys if it's your turn to talk or not, so that way it just sounds like we're just answering. There's like 45 seconds of silence. So, what would you think? Uh, sure, boy, me. I just wait to be called on. You know, would have been annoying. Next week's episode is called Under the Knife and uh, Tessa Ghoulie. You fool! No! Next week's episode. That was Under the Knife. <laughs> <laughs>